You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back, everybody, once again to the Oz Network. As we come to you for a month that you've all been waiting for us to do, you've been sending us in those emails, those tweets, those Tumblr posts and everything else, as we finally get into live-action Disney Month. Yay! And we start off with the movie that everybody's wanting us to be doing for years and years, Maleficent! Yay! Uh, this is a movie that was made in 2014. It stars Angelina Jolie's Cheekbones. And it's a movie that, uh, let's be honest, back in 2014, I had absolutely no desire to see it. And the only reason I'm on this episode is because Colin holds a gun to my head, apparently, and makes me do these things. <laughs> uh, my name is Ben, and I'm classically handsome. Um, My name is... Malefic Malefic <laughs> Colin. <laughs> um, I blame you for this. Uh... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, the idea behind it, like live action Disney month. I mean, there's like thirty eight thousand of these made a year now. I mean, Disney <laughs> literally control ninety percent of the movies every year now. So between Marvel movies, live action Disney movies, and Star Wars movies, we kind of a forced to do these ones. Um, then there's the whole Fox buyout soon, so fuck, it's going to be 95% soon. Um, yeah, as I just said, I had no absolute desire to see this ever. This is a movie that I would only ever watch if I was trying to get into bed with some chick, probably. Um, <laughs> and I don't think Mallory wanted to see this movie, but she watched it with me anyway, because, hey, I watched that. Um, I have nothing against Disney films. I'm not one of these people who was like, oh, Disney movies, they're shit. But I'm also not one of these people who was like, oh my God, Disney, I've got to see every single one. Like, growing up, you watch Disney movies, you're a kid. You know, you're not going to be watching Die Hard unless you're Colin. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I probably saw Sleeping Beauty once. My sister probably watched it, so I probably watched it with her. But, you know, the only ones I come out of into adulthood going like, oh, I'd watch that again. You know, The Lion King. I liked Mulan. That was a good movie. Uh, the Emperor's New Groove, that was good. Uh, all the Pixar films are great, except for Cars 2. Um, but, yeah, like, the other ones, I don't really give a shit about. So, again, I had no desire to see this one until I hear the words, Ben, let's do Disney Live Action Month. So, I watched this for the first time last night, and I don't really know what else to add, except that I've watched it, and I get to talk about it now. Yay. Um, well, I saw this on opening night. Uh, not <laughs> by my own choice. Uh, because Jamie loves, like, I don't know how big of a fan Mallory is, but I've never met a human being who, or at least an adult human being, who loves classic Disney animation more than Jamie. I mean, she owns them all, multiple copies. It's all she watches, this and John Wick. Uh, and th- with this being the first live-action adaptation, she was really excited. Now, I had seen Sleeping Beauty as a kid, as I think I'd seen most of the Disney movies. It didn't leave a huge impression. I, mean, I think the only one of those like old Disney movies that uh, you know I remember really loving was like Bambi. I loved Dumbo. Uh, I, I think I loved Lady and the Tramp. Uh, the other one. ones all just kind of, yeah, they all kind of blended together. And then maybe uh, probably a little over 10 years ago as an adult, I decided I wanted to rewatch at least the classic Disney, like the, the the stuff that Walt Disney was involved in. The first, I don't know, 15 movies or whatever. So I downloaded them all and I started watching them in chronological order. And when I got to Sleeping Beauty, I'm like, I'm surprised that this movie has a reputation for being more of a girl's movie because other than the title Sleeping Beauty, the animated one, it's pretty hardcore. I mean, it's dark. 
Uh, it's violent. It's very scary at times. It's mostly told from the point of view of the male character, uh, the prince, uh, not the evil king and the evil male king in this movie. Uh, but I'm like, I actually was really surprised. I'm like, I like Sleeping Beauty. So I thought, well, this movie can't be that bad. As much as I hate Angelina Jolie, there's no way it could be that bad. So we saw this movie. And as soon as it ended, Jamie's like, that wasn't too bad. And I'm just like, okay, Jamie, <laughs> hold on a second. Here are the divorce. <laughs> and I read... <laughs> I ran down everything that's going to take us probably only an hour to get through in this podcast, all my problems with it. And she was immediately like, you know, you're right. <laughs> and then I remember talking to other people over the next week or so as they'd be like, I liked Maleficent. And I'm like, okay, whoever you are, let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> run down all the issues I'm about to run down. And it was so funny that I would have people argue with me times and say, well, I think it was a decent movie. Or, oh, I think the king was actually the bad guy. Yeah, that's the biggest complaint we're going to get to. Um, but now it's like we're five years later and we've got Maleficent 2 coming out later this year. And suddenly it's the movie nobody wanted a sequel to. And it's taken only five years for this to go from being, well, that was okay, to people going like, well, that was pretty bad. And I'm, I'm glad the world is coming around on how bad Maleficent is as a movie. I didn't even realize there was a sequel until I just happened to stumble across it, I think, last night when I was like, oh, Maleficent, what's it about? It's got Angelina Jolie in it. Cool. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't, I'm still confused about this film. It's kind of like Captain Marvel. It's like, who's the villain? Like, yeah. <laughs> what am I meant to believe here? And it's just, I mean, it's interesting because you said this was kind of like the first live action one. Was Alice in Wonderland not the one that kind of kicked it off when it came to all this live action uh, mumbo jumbo? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was the first one that, that, that Disney did. But, of course, it took them, like, five years to follow that up. So as far as what I mean is the, the trend of Disney saying we're going to make, like, one of these a year. Maleficent was where it really started. And they're like, okay, this is now a thing we're going to start doing. The way that Cool Running started the, you know, we're going to make a sports movie every <laughs> single year. Now, you, you mentioned your hatred of Angelina Jolie, which I know we talked a little bit about yes. last year when it came to uh, – to Lara Croft Tomb Raider, it's, it's it's honestly I think been a while since I've seen her in a movie, because you know I think sort wonder of why early two thousands Angelina Jolie I would watch in pretty much everything. Now uh, I just want to feed her some food or something like I feel she needs no. to eat. Um, <laughs> it's just is she a female Don Johnny Depp? Yeah, probably. I don't know if she's like, hated as much though. Like she's kind of just well, there now. She's definitely not hated, but. If you ever hear somebody say they're a fan of Angelina Jolie, all you have to do is make them look at her filmography and then tell them, point out one good movie on this list. It's like she's a female Johnny Depp in the way that, like, even if you claim you're a fan, nobody actually likes any of her movies. So what Mm. are you a fan of? Yeah, it's true. She kind of just, I mean, she peaked very early, didn't she? But then it's, yeah, I'd probably say that. Like, it's just been such a long time since you've gone, wow, that Angelina Jolie movie was great. Uh, it's just a sentence no one says Salt? anymore. Yeah, yeah, that was that was decent. Um, mm, I don't know, but yeah. Anyway, I don't know what else really need to say before we go because I, I can't even. I think I would have seen Sleeping Beauty as I said at one point, but I don't remember it. Like, I mean, to me, yeah. I was getting more like you know you've seen Shrek too many times when you kind of think like, hey, this is that moment from Shrek. Uh, when it's like <laughs> it's like when you watch a you know a, a James Bond movie now. You're like, oh, that's from Austin Powers. Like it's kind of oh, it's the other way around, Ben. But even the cast in this movie, outside of Angelina Jolie, I mean, who are these people? Um, the, uh, the well, prince, the young there's prince, one really good one. Well, the young prince guy, Brenton Thwaites or Thwaites, whatever oh, yeah. his name is. He's um, 
as soon as I saw him, I'm like, hey, wasn't he? Isn't he Australian? And he used to be in Home and Away, and then he's been in other things. But you know, um, I don't really know. Do I have to add anything else at the start? Or we're just getting this over and done with. <laughs> I, I just want to say a lot of my I'm not going to say praise, but defense of the Cal character of this movie uh, has to do also with the one great actor in this movie. I think the one person who gives a really decent performance, which is the King, Charlotte Copley, which uh, is a name most people don't know. But if you run down, he was the guy from District 9, uh, the guy who played Chappie in the movie Chappie. He was the pilot in the A-Team. I mean, he, he's such a great actor who only appears in something every once in a while. And I think District 9 is the thing he's most well-known for. But I mean, I'm shocked that he's never gotten an Oscar nomination. He's one of those actors that's like, he's so good in the A-Team that you can make an argument that he should get an Oscar for the A-Team. Well, Robert Stromberg is a director, an Academy Award winner for his uh, designing and filmmaking. He won uh, Best Art Direction for Oz the Great and Powerful. Um, so good for him. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was involved in Avatar, which hmm, you can't half tell that he was involved in Avatar <laughs> with what this movie said. This is his first director, director, first movie he directed. Directorial. Directorial <laughs> debut. You can't half tell either. So, um, yeah, anyway. All right. So we start off, uh, I, I don't know whether to call these two worlds, uh, America or America and Canada or... America and Mexico, because there's kind of wall <laughs> built between the two of them. But mm-hmm. I kind of thought like Canada and America, because it's kind of like one, this magical place, and the other, not that good. Uh, so, you know, one's Canada, one's America. Um, and we find out that these kingdoms are so vast, and that either a great hero or a great villain could bring them together. And then there's some girl flying around who's special, and she's a fairy. She has wings. Good for her. You know she's a fairy because she can fix broken branches on a tree. Uh, <laughs> yay! There is definitely a lot to this movie when it comes to what are her powers. It's like, oh. like, oh look, I can. She's fly. bigger than all the others. Yeah, and like, there's just so many moments in this movie where she could just burn shit down, and she just, oh no, I'm not going to. Um, I will just want to say I. Don't hate Angelina Jolie, all right? I actually like Angelina Jolie. But again, going back to my point, I haven't seen her in anything in a long time. And just, I don't know. Like, I think she does a fine job in this movie, but it's just kind of all about her. And there's not a whole... I don't know. It's her cheekbones. It just is so distracting in this movie. Um, Yeah. She's flying around the kingdom. This isn't Angelina Jolie. This is like young Angelina Jolie. This is one of the kids that Angelina Jolie's going to adopt. Um, which yeah. funny, funny story. Uh, the baby that plays young Aurora is actually one of Angelina Jolie's children. So that is actually a true thing. That's but... why the baby looks so Asian. <laughs> uh, she's flying around. There's weird creatures. She compliments one of them on a hat. There's these things that throw poo at her, so she throws poo back at them. <laughs> <laughs> then all of a sudden, we meet the three fairies who are like, "Oh, there's a human." person at the pool of jewels that's stolen something oh okay these fairies are annoying uh, can i just point out yeah uh and they look weird with the special effects as does most oh, things do they ever... <laughs> um, she flies off to this area there's giant tree things they get called ugly by the kid in the cave and no oh, no you're classically handsome um and then she meets a human for the first time it's young stefan um, I'm just going to call him Gloria Estefan because it sounds better. <laughs> and um, he's stolen a jewel, so she throws it back, 
And I've written here that he's an ugly child. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to be, you know, fair on the, the looks department when I come to talking about people in this movie. Um, they start flirting. Um, they shake hands. She gets her hand burnt because all iron burns fairies. So we've got the kryptonite there. That's not foreshadowing anything. Um mentioned something about if I uh, it's just it's just flirting it's just dumb like just flirt back and forth <laughs> she drags him around in the water and then on the 16th birthday um let's be honest I have sex like <laughs> yep that line was like and on the 16th birthday she gave him a gift a kiss I'm like no it's his penis uh, <laughs> <laughs> she gave him his penis she <laughs> really does around. have magic powers the other way around whatever whatever floats his boat <laughs> 2014 things were into it back then um so anyway all the time's passing they he goes back to the human world she goes back to maleficent land and then we later find out that she's grown up to be cgi angelina jolie which is looking pretty good um she's flying around um then there's an army that's trying to attack and invade Maleficent Land. Santa's on a horse. <laughs> Maleficent Land. I'm trying to work out what's going on here. Um, oh. Yep. Uh, then there's a big battle. It's like, I mean, I, I've not seen the Lord of the Rings movies properly, right? I saw the first one. I fell asleep in the second one. Never seen the third one. Even I turned to Mallory at one point going, wasn't there a Lord of the Rings movie with giant trees fighting people? Yeah. She's like, yep. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, I thought this out of it looked familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even need to see Lord of the Rings to know that that's a thing. Uh, so, yeah, there's a big battle with giant trees. Um, the king stabs Maleficent with an iron thing. And then he's in bed complaining to his son, Avenge me! Lazy prick, get up and do it yourself. Um, <laughs> this Stefan guy grown up. He looks like um, David Schwimmer and John Oliver had a baby together. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to call him Ross Oliver. Um... <laughs> And so he then goes, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm lumping all this together. I'm sure you're not complaining. <laughs> no, no issues. Keep going quicker, quicker. Uh, so, yeah, the king wants to avenge the Maleficent because, you know, he lost a couple of men. So, of course, John Oliver knows where Maleficent is. So he goes off into Maleficent land and they hook up again. And it's like, what did the narrator say? Like, it's like, nothing has ever changed. Um, but then he spikes a drink. He goes to kill her, but instead of killing her, he ends up chopping her wings off, and um, she wakes up the next morning and starts crying. Um, can I just say, I read, and I would love your opinion on this, because once again, the Oz Network, the uh, the podcast where we discuss the big social issues, and as two straight white men, we're quite relevant to talk about some of these issues. I read in a lot of reviews for this movie and a lot of kind of analysis that this whole sequence is uh, meant to represent that of a woman getting raped. Uh, what? That, that the man spikes her drink and takes her home and sexually assaults her. It's, it's, it's signifying that. So a lot of uh, essays uh. and things have been written about how this is movies kind of signifying a woman's fight back against the oppressive man for sexually assaulting her. So I'd love your opinion <laughs> on that, Colin. Um, oh, I've got one. <laughs> but and also I do like it in the Honest trailer um, when she turns all evil uh, and gets all that, and it's like how Jennifer Anderson sees Angelina Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she's crying because uh, her wings got stolen. It's sad. Um, and then uh, Stefan brings the wings back to the king, and, you know, you don't need to see a body or anything. I've just got the wings. Oh, you will be rewarded. 
Um, and then Angelina Jolie sees a crow getting covered in chains. She turns the crow into a man, and then he becomes her slave, and then Stefan becomes the king. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> move, on, <laughs> move on. Yeah, right. Yeah, your turn. You can talk now. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, here we go. <laughs> Waited five years for this. Uh, first of all, all of the effects in Maleficent Land, the forest, look so bad. Yep. And that's what's what's so frustrating about that is the effects for Maleficent herself look so good. Her wings, her flying and all that. And then they make all the other creatures look like cartoon creatures. They look like Smurfs. <laughs> and it doesn't match up with this real-world gritty feel that they give Maleficent with these incredible cgi wings and then we see these fairies which just look like you digitally with some type of home software put Imelda staunton's face onto a cartoon fairy body and it looks so terrible and it actually looks creepy i mean the the mini fairies in this movie look downright creepy these are the things of nightmares (laughs) and I don't understand how it fits in the rest of this movie, which is dark and gritty. You have these forest creatures that just look like they're stepped out of the movie Trolls. Like, have you seen the movie Trolls? I guess you haven't. I saw the trailer for it. It had Justin Timberlake doing a song for it. That's enough for me. I'm not kidding. Casper right now is watching Trolls. He's probably watching Trolls right now. He was watching it when I came in here to report. Uh, The Trolls and Trolls look less cartoony than these serious-looking creatures in Maleficent land in Maleficent. Like, it is so bad. And it's frustrating because of how good some of the effects are here. Uh, And for the story between Stefan and Maleficent, first of all, it's a little bit weird that, like, why is she the only full-grown fairy? Like, should she not be mocked by people? I mean, shouldn't they be calling her, like, Gigantor fairy or something like that? Or teeth. She should be. She should be a freak. And there's nothing about her powers that make her the queen or the protector of Maleficent Land. Like this movie's so lazy, it doesn't actually explain to you what she is. And just a small correct in like uh, Stefan uh, Charlotte Copley's character, uh, he's not actually the king's son. He's supposed to be like a lowly peasant, oh. and the king actually has no heirs, and he sort of steps up and becomes that. Now. First of all, they take six years to get it on. Now, these two are ready to grope each other at the age of 10. And they even tell you they spent all night holding each other. And then six years later, they finally hugged. <laughs> these are some slow-moving people. Disney. If he chopped her wings oh. like if he, if he chopped her wings off for anything else, it was just sexual frustration that he had pent up for at the point he did it, like 15 years or I something. Just, I just want to point um, out, Disney, like, this is not how life works. Stop trying to make out young children believe that, oh, you know, you hold hands at 10. You're not going to kiss till you're 16. Fuck off, all right? It's 2019. Wait. These kids are boning at 12. Speak for yourself. Jamie and I have been married six years. We only kissed for the first time last week. Oh, that's how the twins were conceived, of course. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but that's your fault, not Jamie's. Why do you think Jamie yeah. watches Counter Reese movies so much? You're not getting in the bedroom. <laughs> Colin, I'm going to bed. That's, just, uh, just myself. That's the- uh, yeah, that's the power of Keanu Reeves. It's like she immaculately conceived just by watching Keanu Reeves and John Wick. <laughs> They're both going to come out of the of her and just go, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I also want to say this is where my issues with the movie are going to start. Now, I want to make this very clear. This almost will sound like my rants in this movie will sound like I'm offended that they treated men so poorly in this movie. It's not that at all. Like you said about the whole rape thing. Here's my opinion on that. If you wanted to go that route with the movie, 
fine. I'm okay with that. It's the same thing I said with Cal not being a villain in Titanic because they don't properly make him a villain. They don't make Charlotte Copley's character, Stefan, they don't make him a villain here. If anything, he's more conflicted than anybody else in this movie. And the thing with chopping off her wings, what he was doing was saving her life. Because the king said, somebody bring, somebody bring me the body of that you know, winged creature and you will be my heir. Now he goes to her originally to be like, I love you, I, I'm sorry that I abandoned you, but I'm back. And him chopping off her wings because he couldn't bring himself to kill her was him saving her life. If he hadn't done it, somebody else was going to kill her. He chopped off her wings and she lived. Like the whole idea about this, you know, symbolizing rape, if that was the intention of this movie, you did a poor job showing that because you make him such a sympathetic character in this first 20 minutes of the movie. Every time, even when the king's talking about you need to kill her, he looks like he's ready to break down in tears. And you can't make a villain who dies such a violent death later in this movie and is, dies a death that is reserved for like you know the most evil villains you've ever seen out of the only character who seems to have a moral conscience at the beginning of the movie. He makes the wrong choice on something, but the whole argument is, is that he actually did save her life by not killing her. It's a good point. And why? <laughs> it's a very good point. And, and there are so many other things that happen after this that become even more angering. And I'm... I'm not opposed – if you want to make a movie where he is this terrible man who basically did rape her and he's a terrible father and all the things that the movie's ending leads you to believe, you have to show that in the character. And this movie does not show that. If you want to make that movie, I'm behind you. I'm for it. But this movie did it so bad that I actually walk away feeling bad for him because she's essentially a terrorist from this point on in the movie. (laughs) It's just wrong. She's just a, um, it's, and what's um uh fatal attraction right bunny boiler like she's Glenn Close essentially but she's got an Oscar and Glenn Close <laughs> sorry it's disgusting sorry Angelina Jolie has an Oscar I mean I love you Angelina Jolie prior to 2005 but like Glenn Close doesn't have an Oscar sorry I and, by the way I actually did write at my notes at this point. I've changed my mind. I don't want a podcast anymore. That's how annoying it is to watch this movie. We can just quickly wrap it up. So, uh, yeah, she goes on a revenge thing. The kid gets put inside for 16 years. For some reason, they don't burn all the thimble things. She pricks a finger. Um, She's the true love, the end. (laughs) But, like, I'm going to drive this home over and over again. Because they never properly show her being a good character... Or, or what her transformation is in the end. And they so poorly portray him in what this movie would have worked better if you made him a despicable person. They don't do that. Therefore, he doesn't deserve everything that happens to him later. And even less does she deserve the nice ending she gets. And even just this movie comes across very judgmental too. You talk about like, you know, certain movies being kind of preachy. She utters the line before he's ever done anything wrong, just when he's sort of starting to ignore her. She says something like, um, I never understood the greed and envy of men. At this point, they've already said he's a poor person. He's poor. He has nothing. He has two choices. He could live in molestant land with her where he's the outcast and he has no powers, but he's with his people. He still has a life to lead. And even before you get to him killing, she's making judgments about him being greedy 
when all he's doing is just being part of his own culture. It's no more greedy for him to be like, you know what? I'm going to spend more time at home than it is for – why isn't she leaving Maleficent land to come live with him? It's not even – it doesn't even cross her mind. Like these are the little things that that make him a more empathetic character than her throughout this movie. Can I just throw something the, in here about this whole situation which kind of – you know, let's compare this to another movie that we clearly keep bringing up way too much for a movie we didn't like, The Notebook where they're separated for, like, seven years. She goes off and, like, finds yeah. someone else and moves on, basically. So why isn't he off, like, kidnapping a kid and making a curse on her and all this sort of stuff? Like, and it's the same thing. At the same time, like, why do women see the notebook story of that as being romantic? But here it's like, well, he's terrible. He deserves to die. <laughs> he doesn't deserve to die. And this isn't me as a man you know, making some type of anti-woman statement, but I find this movie to be very anti-man in in an offensive way. And there's going to be people who are like, oh, well, there's tons of movies that are anti-woman that are offensive. I'm not knocking that either. I'm simply saying that this movie, you should have gone harder on him, and they did a really poor job, and in the end, it comes across as very anti-man. Because it's just it's i'll get into that more later if if everyone hasn't tuned out already and by the way i have i have made all these arguments to women who are like you know you kind of got a point so this isn't just me but i quickly commenting on the battle scenes that come up here it it's not sloppy this isn't a movie that is so poorly made like the room where you're like wow who directed this crap it's more just like we've seen – there's nothing here we haven't seen a million times like you talked about the Lord of the Rings. I mean they, they actually have stolen the same creatures that we've already seen in battle in the Lord of the Rings and just reused it. And these battle scenes are just so – it's so generic and been there, done that, that even though it's an okay-looking action scene, it's just nothing new. And and therefore, you don't care, and that's the problem where – we're almost a third of the way through this movie here before they actually really get into the Sleeping Beauty story. This is all the backstory, and I feel like they've done the opposite of what they intended with her character. They've done the opposite of what they intended with Stefan's character, and ugh, I'm, ugh, I'm burping out of disgust for this movie. <laughs> and they've presented you with what should be entertainment and instead just comes across as bland and seen it a million times. Yeah, I mean... Just even the bits where she's like flying through, it's just it's very Avatar-y, and even then Avatar yeah. stole that from other movies. So it's kind of yeah, you're <laughs> right. You don't walk out of this movie going like, "Whoa, that was that was different. That was you know something <laughs> I've not seen before." Um, except for Angelina Jolie's cheekbones, perhaps. Um, <laughs> I I don't know. So um, I guess we should continue talking about this movie. There's a green light that gets shot into the sky. Um, do you think that's where all, you know, because there's that whole period of films. I think they've kind of gotten over it now, but like all the superhero films and other movies had the giant laser beam shooting up into the sky. Like, was that a Maleficent? Yeah. <laughs> was it the fault of Maleficent or did Maleficent steal that? Let's be honest, they stole it. Yeah, this, <laughs> this started the trend. Bloody Maleficent. They're always doing shit. Um, Stefan sees it. Cool. Um... <laughs> Maleficent I'm just I'm just going through my notes Maleficent walks Bricks fly as she walks Everyone bows Bunch of women excited It's a girl um... <laughs> <laughs> Oh it's really random How all of a sudden There's all like This like dramatic stuff And she's all shitty And then all of a sudden You just cut to this Like the kingdom And everyone's like It's a girl It's a girl It's a girl It's a girl 
It's like, okay. Like they've never seen one before? Apparently. I don't know why they're doing it. Um, so there's going to be a christening for this new baby. Uh, where's the sex scene between Stefan and this, this woman? Who is, who is the wife? Like, do we ever find out who she is? Can we just call this the most underdeveloped character in the history of cinema? (laughs) Like she appears as the wife. She apparently had a baby and I swear she dies off camera. I've seen this movie (laughs) twice now and I can't pinpoint. How did she die? When did she die? Yeah, I it's it's just odd. I, you know, cool, great. Um, so there's a giant christening. The three fairies who are evil, but then they're not evil. I don't get these fairies. Who are they? Like, why are they just all of a sudden back here? They're going to give her the gift of beauty. Uh, this is, I mean, it's a bad message, isn't it, for kids out there? Like, you know, little girls who watch this movie, little boys too. Like, oh, it, you've got to grow up to be beautiful, otherwise you're going to be ugly, basically. Like, that's kind of... <laughs> Well, that is the way it works, Ben. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, that's why I've had a, such a hard life and you've had a good one. Um, <laughs> Maleficent shows up. She gets shitty uh, and she wants to give a gift. And why, why don't they try and kill her right here? She's right here. She's right in front of them. I know. <laughs> like, later on when they've got her in the kingdom and everything like that, like, you know, they wait for her. Like, she's right here. She's right in front it of took, them. <laughs> it took one guy to take off her wings. They've got the whole army there. <laughs> Nobody does anything. She wants to give a gift. She's being nice. She's just showing up. She's like, <laughs> thought I'd give you a gift. It's like, we don't want your gift. Like, poor thing. But don't don't you don't you love the most underdeveloped character in the history of cinema though, when she's like, I'm gonna give you a gift, a gift of grace <laughs> and happiness or whatever. And that's a wonderful gift. Thank you. <laughs> is it, but like is there questions here from the most undeveloped character? Like Stefan, who is she? Like, you know, oh, no one, dear. I don't know who she is. Is this your ex-girlfriend? No, no, never seen her before in my life. What are you talking about? You told me you were a virgin. I am. I'm a virgin. That's that's no one. (laughs) She stole Brad Pitt away from Jennifer Anderson. I know what she's like. Um, She then... this. Okay, I'm going to say right now, I don't really know the full depth story of freaking Sleeping Beauty. All I knew is some girl's asleep and they kiss her, she wakes up. Great. But the fact... That's it. The fact that this is legitimately the story, that she curses her by basically saying before her 16th birthday, she's going to prick her finger on what a spinning wheel and then never Mm -hmm. wake up again... And then she feels a little bit bad, and she's like, oh, okay, she can only be woken by one true love, or whatever it is, otherwise this curse will last forever. And then this basically leads us into the next 16 years going by really quickly, where, for some reason, the king decides to put her daughter, like, send her away and lock all the spinning wheels up, and that's going to solve the problem. Now... Mm-hmm. This Maleficent is like old, powerful. You know, again, her powers are just odd. They come and go as they please. Why would you go? Oh, sixteen years. You're gonna wait? Like not fifteen, not fourteen, <laughs> not even ten, not even one. Like no. Like why can't she just put her in a sleep right now and be like, okay, boom. Mm-hmm. What? Just kill her. Like kill the baby. Like <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> and but no, sixteen years. And why a spinning wheel of all the things? Like. I don't know if I've ever touched a spinning wheel in my life. And in what world is this a, like a threat? Like, ooh, when she's 16, she's going to be touching the spinning wheel, which is really yeah. <laughs> which is really odd later on because it's like it's implied <laughs> that she's drawn to it through her finger. But I feel like that's not explained here. Like, they lock it all in a cupboard, basically. Like, I'll put all the spinning wheels. They don't burn them. They don't destroy them. They just, 
Oh, we might need them one day, so let's put them. And they've got a lot of spinning wheels. Jesus Christ. And why does the king send the girl away? You've locked him in a cupboard. You've solved the issue. Like, no, I don't want the daughter. <laughs> like, it makes no sense. Like, I feel I want you to come in here now because am I missing something here? I don't read books. Is there something more in the whole story of Sleeping Beauty that I'm not understanding here? Um, I mean, its audience was originally six-year-olds, so they would forgive these mistakes. <laughs> I mean, all of this stuff is basically like this sequence of the the baby and the you know christening or whatever, and Maleficent showing up and the curse. That's all straight, almost like word for word out of the Sleeping Beauty movie. But it's everything before and after that kind of changes. But I mean, I'm with you on the spinning wheel because, like, in this version, Maleficent. She wants to guarantee that this baby's going to die, and, and we'll find out later how she tries to guarantee that the curse can't be broken. But yeah, why a spinning wheel? Like we haven't—it's not like we've seen a lot of spinning wheels here, you know. If she's like, well, it's something that's everywhere. I can guarantee that if you say, oh, she's going to prick her finger on a bush, there's bushes everywhere. We haven't seen a spinning wheel up until the only spinning wheels we see are the ones that get burned later on. And it, like, is this something at the age of sixteen? Like it's a rite of passage for a sixteen-year-old girl? It's like period. Spinning wheel, lose your virginity, marriage, that's it. Death. Often, like, all, that's, all, that's often like... all at once. Uh... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Painful, but true. <laughs> but yeah, like, like it's, just, it's just weird that she, in this version, doesn't give an explanation for this. Because she does give an explanation later on for the how she would not remove the curse. But it's just, it, no, it doesn't make sense. I think I, I am kind of understanding of the whole sending away thing. Because we do see that Maleficent is still trying to terrorize them. And that's why I say, like, this is a movie about a terrorist who suddenly becomes the hero, apparently, by doing nothing different, but maybe having a, a little bit of a guilty conscience. Uh, the mother, <laughs> that is the one part which it's unintentionally funny because I wish they had played it funny in the movie where she does say the, like, uh, oh, that's a beautiful gift, thank you, and tries to cut her off. Like, you can go now, thanks. I, but you you could have put some humor in there because these fairies are supposed to bring the humor of the movie and they're just annoying and they look awful. Like whose idea was it to say let's take these three actresses, let's sometimes put their face on a completely computer-generated body. Not even just their head on a computer-generated fairy body. Just the face. Their hair – which really matches the actress's hair in real life, is still computer-generated and animated for some reason. And it looks awful. Like, they look creepy. I'm terrified of these things. And to make it even better, the fact that these are the protectors the king chooses, like, he's clearly trying to protect his body. I'm going to send you away so nobody can touch you. I'm going to take away every spinning wheel. Like, He's doing everything in his power to make sure his daughter does not die. And he leaves them with three fairies who don't know how to feed a baby. He's got a whole army at his disposal. Why not say, I want three fairies there so they can change the dirty diapers. And then I want 150 soldiers surrounding that farm. Yeah. And then she's safe. Like, this is a movie that tries to take itself more seriously. And I understand it's still a Disney movie. I wouldn't say the audience for this is kids. I don't think that any of the live action Disney movies are made for kids. Otherwise, they wouldn't be choosing the classic Disney movies. You know, maybe with like Aladdin and Lion King coming up, even with those. I mean, those are movies like we grew up on. So then technically it's still made for older people. And I think this movie was meant to target 
people who would feel nostalgia for. I love Sleeping Beauty. And everybody I know who saw this movie, this massive opening weekend, and I, I, it was crazy. It was one of these things where it's like, you know, The Avengers comes out. And you expect to hear everybody say, oh, Avengers was great. Maleficent came out, and I swear, everybody was like, oh, I saw Maleficent. None of these people were under the age of 25, at least. <laughs> Most of them probably not under the age of 30. So you have to, if you're making a more serious movie, you've got to cover for some of those childish plot holes, and they just do nothing for it. I, I remember that when Toy Story 3 came out, that... I think for the most mm. part, people who went to see that were people our age because at that point it had, what, been 11 years since Toy Story 2. So uh, while it was, I guess, in a way targeted at kids, like that was our childhood. We grew up with like the first one and then the second one. So like we wanted to go see it. And then that kind of was done well though because, you know, like we were crying yeah. at the end of that and everything of how deep that was. But yeah, it's just... I mean, look, again, this is the first time I've seen a live-action Disney movie, and I'm, like, I was scared for The Lion King before, and I'm terrified now, and I don't even think they should be making a, quote, live-action Lion King. Like, they're going to have mm -hmm. frickin' Timon and Pumbaa, like, having superimposed Nathan Lane faces or something like that, just being frickin' freaky-looking meerkat, um, and probably <laughs> Beyonce's face is going to be superimposed on Nala's face or something like that, and John Oliver's on Zazu. Like, I'm freaked out about what The Lion King's going to turn out in a few weeks. Um. Oh, yeah. Anyway, well, here's here's another thing. What's with the names of the fairies? Not grass, fiddle, and thistlewit. <laughs> like, like they give them these extravagant names and never use it again. And also, one more thing about the fairies: the first two fairies give her beauty and happiness. The third fairy, uh, Thistletwit or whatever her name is, <laughs> she hasn't given her wish yet. So Maleficent says. I'm going to curse you on your 16th birthday and only true love's kiss and no other things could undo this. What if she just said, oh, I haven't given mine yet. Uh, everything Maleficent said, no, forget it. <laughs> I'm overruling it. She still has her wish. Like this, this fairy does nothing here. And you have they established that Maleficent has more power than everybody in this? They haven't. She just she was bigger than the other fairies. That's the only reason they say that she's more powerful. But she doesn't have her wings now, so she shouldn't even be powerful. But I and like these fairies, like they're working with Maleficent one minute, then they're not. Like, and why does Stefan hmm. trust them? Like, aren't they from like the dark part? Like, they're, you know, they're from Maleficent Land. They're from Maleficent Land. You know, the shadowy place. Everything the light doesn't touch. Don't go there, Simba. You must never go there. Like, I mean. I don't understand why these are like just they're spies. They're, they're a spy. They're they're, <laughs> they're a spy. They're Chris Pine, basically. <laughs> oh, how good's Chris Pine? Um. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, so yeah, sixteen years go by. Um. One bit though, I will admit that maybe the one bit in this movie that I liked and that I laughed at was when um, Angelina Jolie walks up to the little baby and he's staring at it. And it's just like, it's so ugly, you could almost feel sorry for it. And then it like yeah. smiles at her and she's like, I hate you, beastly. Like, that's like the one bit I thought, I was like, that's funny. And it's even funnier given that that baby is actually her daughter. Um, that's, is it? It's Vivian Jolie Pitt. Um, so one of the kids that she took from Africa or something, uh, although that one was white, so probably from South Africa, I guess. Uh, but there's white people in Africa, Ben. But yeah, I um, 
it, it just, I mean, look, do we really need to go by everything? Because I don't even get what she's doing here. She's watching over them. She's built a wall. Or I don't even know. Someone builds a wall between Maleficent Land and non-Maleficent Land, which apparently stops people from think- going in there. Like, who, who builds that wall? Is it Trump? Well, what's funny is that if you actually pay attention to the movie, I think there's two walls. Maleficent builds her thorn wall so nobody can get in. And then the king builds this iron wall, which is why Maleficent going through that later, it's burning her. So, like, they're both building walls. Right. So well, where's the threat here? Mexico's building it back, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, early- so we could build it one better. <laughs> so earlier it was Canada and the US. Now it's USA and Mexico, which is kind of it's, it's merged yeah. around. Um, yeah, but, like, all Maleficent does is just watch. And what does she... She have nothing better to do for 16 years in her life? Like, is Maleficent land that boring? Like... Does, yeah. does she not date? Does she not go out for dinner? Does she watch <laughs> sports? Like, start a podcast? Like, I don't know. Like, come on, Maleficent. And she doesn't age. Why doesn't she age? It's never explained why she doesn't age. No one ages in this movie, except... She for- ages up until this point and just stops because she's aging at the same rate as Stefan for, what, 25 years? Yeah. And then she just stops. Yep. For, you lose your wings and you stop aging. That's what it is. We got to the bottom of it. There you go. That's that's how, that's the anti-aging process right there, everyone. Chop your wings off. You'll be fine. Um, but she just toys with them. She just, like, I think it was on either the Honest Trailer or the Everything Wrong With. They basically say she spent 16 years punking the fairies because, like, all she does yeah. is, like, make it rain inside and make them seem inept at their job and... Like, she can literally kill this child because it's about to fall off a cliff and these fairies are nowhere. Where's the 150 mm. army that you're talking about? And she, she saves it. Like, <laughs> but this is where it makes no sense because she's put a curse on this child, but she's watching over it to make sure it gets to 16 to get this. But you're saving it. Like, what, what are you trying to do with this baby? <laughs> mm-hmm. It's just, it's odd. And again, like, as you said, and- like, she's a terrorist. If we're meant to, she's the, the protagonist in this whole thing. Like, she's torturing this baby, basically, so that when it grows <laughs> up, it will be in a coma for the rest of its life. And that's why I have such an issue. You know, I said, like, anti-man. I'm, I'm meaning, in this movie, it is taking a very, and it got some praise for taking a pro-feminist stance. But it's at the expense of a character that didn't deserve to be dumped on at the end, which is the king. There are two possible ways, and I'll run through all my theories in what's left of, I'm hoping, only 10 minutes in this podcast (laughs) um, on how this movie could be easily fixed. But it ultimately boils down to you take one or two routes with a king. You either have it where he redeems himself for some of the bad things he did as she did, or you go all out and make him more despicable than her. But they don't do either. And on top of that, they don't make Maleficent in any way redeeming in – like. In contrast to the king, because she is tormenting a baby here, and we're supposed to believe in the end when the king dies, which is presented in a way as in like, oh, well, the bad guy's gone. It's okay. We're supposed to believe that he somehow has done worse than she has. She spent 16 years torturing the child that he sent away to basically protect. Mm. And yeah, like, and also another thing with these fairies Okay, so they don't know how to feed the baby. The king entrusted them to her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they arrive there and they say, let's turn into regular human beings now. And now, no magic. So not only has he sent them with these inept fairy protectors, they're stripping the only power they have. <laughs> they have no knowledge on how to take care of a baby. And they have no magic they can use. What is the point of having no magic if they're supposed to be the only thing protecting her from Maleficent? I, I, I don't know. 
Yeah. I love the fact that I'm moving on. I'm starting to get as worked up as you are now. Like I was, <laughs> I was kind of normal at the beginning of this, and now I'm just kind of like, just be better. Uh, <laughs> um, it just makes me coarse and rough and irritated and get getting everywhere. <laughs> it really does. My anger's going everywhere. Um, so yeah, she grows up. Um, there's a scene where the crow turns into a wolf and attacks the guards for some reason. Um, was that meant to mean something? I don't know. Um, then eventually she's grown up and she's what, 15 now and she meets Maleficent for the first time. You're my fairy godmother. Um, cool. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) she goes to bed. I've written here. Good night, beastie. Um, I don't even know what I'm writing here. Um, yep, they're basically getting scared that Maleficent is coming. Uh, I really don't know where this is. Oh, she meets the prince, the attractive guy. Um, is because she's summoned <laughs> to the castle, isn't she? Not or something like that. Like, oh, something happens. Um, I rem- and boy, does this guy suck hard. Like, seriously. Well, he's he's an Australian. Uh, Brenton Thwaites, I believe his name is. Um, back... Oh, he's awful in everything. Well, well, back in the day, I used to watch Home and Away. I've not been a while since I've... It's been a while since I've watched it, but um, he was like a... They had this big thing called the River Boys. They were like these, you know, attractive surfer gangs who took over Summer Bay and all the women loved them. And he was like one of the brothers and, I don't know, hooked up with one of the teenage girls and he died in a car accident. I don't know. Obviously, he went off to Hollywood because I'm looking here at his filmography and he's been in other things besides this. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, it's it's we're meant to literally believe that one meeting between these two is her true love. And just going back to my point about <laughs> what does this film teach young people, like, it teaches you have to be beauty, beautiful and that meeting some hot guy on a horse is basically your true love. Like, if every girl out there or guy out there met a hot guy on a horse and thought it was true love, like, this world would be fucked. I'm sorry. Like, I've met hot girls on horses and well, horses that are hot and girls, what? Um, And, like, that's never it worked. It worked for Jamie. <laughs> well, okay. Well, sorry. Happy <laughs> I rode up on a horse. <laughs> I mean, Mallory and a horse, you know, I probably would have chosen the horse, but uh, <laughs> I did, but the horse rejected me later. <laughs> it's a good looking horse too. <laughs> yeah, that horse is average. Uh, not the most attractive <laughs> horse. But so they meet and who is this guy? Like he's somebody who's just going out there to try and find them or? Okay, so this is where I will say, I, I, I mean, the point of this movie is actually the opposite of what you were saying, which is that. It's the message is not that you can meet a guy once and it's in fact he even argues that later on and then they they quickly put that away and it becomes well Maleficent is the true love or whatever um but in the original story it was the prince that she had briefly met who did save her and that's how the original story ended he's pretty much the main character i would say in the animated movie um He's the one that kind of battles the dragon and fights through the thorn or iron bushes or whatever it's in the Shrek. end. <laughs> but but Shrek wasn't that hot on a horse. Oh, well, so, come to on. be honest, you know. Um, but yeah, like the the point of him in the original, and I feel it. It's not one of these things that I think doesn't translate as well now. Like I think it was handled very classy in the original, 
where it's not like, oh, well, you know, you just have to meet the, the this, you know, uh, dashing guy who rescues the damsel in distress. I mean, the, the movie, I don't really feel like that's the way the original movie was. I feel like this movie's ripping off another very famous movie, which I'll you know, mention when it comes up. That's right. Um, and, <laughs> <laughs> ripping off two movies, apparently. <laughs> but um, here, I, I almost want to criticize him for being underdeveloped. Except for the fact that I think that they wanted the audience who knew the original movie to think that's how it was going to end. Uh, so I'm not really going to fault Brenton here for <laughs> being so terrible. I will for him being that, that terrible in Gods of Egypt and everything else. <laughs> Although, just looking now, he's finally done something decent. The, um, the TV show Titans, which is the the DC, the very R-rated DC Teen Titans show. He plays Robin on that. Yeah, he's he is pretty good. I mean, he's not the best one on the show, but he's pretty good on that. So he's not terrible. I'd mark him down for having a name of Brenton. Like, that's just a stupid <laughs> name. Um, and Thwaites. It's like, that's harder to pronounce than Maleficent. <laughs> Sounds like you got a lisp. Like, his name's like, wait, but then there's a Thwaites. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I think I've thought of a new ending for this movie, actually, just while we're on the topic of Shrek. You know, in the opening of Shrek, how, you know, you're seeing the storybook and you hear that... And he's like, you know, he'll be woken by one true kiss. And then Shrek just closes the book and he's like, yeah, right. And then he goes, somebody once told me the world is going to roll me. Like, that's how we need to end this movie. You want Brenton to sing it? Yeah, exactly. Brenton can be Shrek. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't they making a live action Shrek? I think they are. Oh, I hope not. (laughs) Um, Jack Black can play Shrek. He probably looks like him the most. Um, I'm sure Mike Myers still could. Yeah. True in fat bastard makeup. Um, no offense to Jack Black, I like Jack Black, but I'm just the first actor that came to my head who was a little bit chubby and green, apparently. Um, so, um, yeah, it's near her 16th birthday. She finds out that Maleficent cursed her. Um, that's a bit sad. She then goes back to the castle I, again. If I'm skipping over shit, I'm sure you don't really care. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she goes to the castle. Um, and then, like, it's all like, oh, my God, it's my daughter. I missed you so much. Go lock yourself in your room. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what happens here. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving up reading on my notes. I'm just reading off Wikipedia now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I literally don't know. out of notes is what you're saying. I've written, I need a horse. Aurora walking in Castle Maleficent on horse, drawn to spinning wheels, green, pricks her finger, collapses. She goes inside <laughs> Castle. Wait outside. Not your fault. She's only sleeping. True love doesn't exist. She gets burnt on iron. Um, yep. Oh, there's some point where Maleficent tries to remove the curse, but she can't. That's a shame. Um, but yes, like, this is where I don't understand why she's in the castle, and then she's, again, just automatically drawn to the the basement of spinning wheels. Like, this, Mm -hmm. he's the worst king in the world. Again, like, he's just kept these for 16 years. It's like, why wouldn't you destroy them, knowing this is like, like, if you... Have if if your son is Superman and you're living on Earth and you know that only kryptonite will kill him, are you going to store a basement filled with kryptonite? No, you're going to burn that shit, bury it in the water, <laughs> and let Lex Luthor discover it and then create evil monsters later on. Apparently, but it just it just makes no sense. And she's drawn to it. She pricks her finger on her. She falls asleep. Um, and so then pretty boy Brenton Thwaity comes along and, oh, I must be the true love because I'm hot and I met her for five seconds. Um, and then she goes to kiss him, uh, her, the other way around. Uh, (laughs) 
That works. He's going up to kiss Stefan. That's the real twist on the story. Why isn't it the other way around? Why isn't the hot guy in bed and like a hot girl has to kiss? Like, come on. Like, I think I saw that once. I think it might have been on like PornTube or something, but whatever. Um, <laughs> anyway, so she doesn't wake up. Oh no, what's going to happen? And then Maleficent kisses her and then Maleficent's her one true love. What? <laughs> Now, am I reading too much into this, or is that a bit creepy? Is this a bit Tasmanian? I, I don't understand what's going on here. Have you seen Frozen? No. <laughs> okay, well... This I have a penis. Frozen. <laughs> well, so do I, but I've got a wife oh. and a child. <laughs> so you've used but your penis then, is, clearly. This is what bothered me so much when the movie came out, because they, they put a twist on the story and made it something different, and they basically ripped this entire thing off Frozen, because Frozen's all about kind of the, the one true love thing, and then it ends up being, well, in the end, it's actually it was actually supposed to be the two sisters and how much they loved each other. Oh. That's what they're trying to play on here, but they're not doing it. It's like You can't do an homage to something that came out, what, two years before that? Like, they just directly ripped off Frozen with that. Well, I mean, how much do they love each other? Should I be watching this more or... <laughs> Sorry, they're hot. I, I wanna like, go... they're cartoons, but those Frozen girls are hot. Uh, I want to go back uh, before we get to the very end here. I'll Just go a back, couple Lisa. of things. I've skipped over shit. You, go, um, you do you. Th- okay, so yeah, the king is a terrible ruler, but that's because it's a terribly written movie. Um, as a father, this movie has done nothing but show him as being a good father. Is he... You know, sitting there welcoming her with open arms? No, but he's still trying to protect her. And when he's going to such great lengths to burn all the – or not burn, but capture all the spinning wheels or whatever, and everything he's done, they they talk about him becoming very dark and paranoid. Maleficent has never made a single threat against him. Now, if we're supposed to believe that he's the bad guy in the end that deserves to die, show him as being the bad guy. As I said – this movie either plays very nasty against a character doesn't deserve it, or they completely failed in not making him more unlikable. Because we've seen him be conflicted when he did betray Maleficent. He was conflicted. At no point was she conflicted until 16 years later, <laughs> after she became a terrorist. And then we see they see the narrator saying he became dark and paranoid. But it's all about Maleficent's threats, and the only threat she's ever made is against his child. And his child does show up, and she's like, Daddy, I'm home. (laughs) And he's like, go to the room or whatever. He's like, you're back a day early. He's basically saying, hide her. Maleficent is going to come. Now, if you wanted to make him the big bad villain, A, show him as a bad ruler, because then Maleficent has one up on him. Maleficent's a terrible ruler in this world. She's in charge of Maleficent land, (laughs) and she spends 16 years tormenting a human child. (laughs) Who's ruling her kingdom right now? Nobody. It's... And... Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, I had nothing important. Go ahead. <laughs> um, And when she starts connecting with this kid, we need to remember that it took her 16 years to connect with this kid. This father's never seen her, and yet he's still trying to save her life because the only threat Maleficent ever made was against his child. Does he know the child? Is he a lovey-dovey guy? No. But he's still working only to protect her. Now, if you had wanted to play this the right way, you would have made this character focused only on killing Maleficent because she threatened him as well. Then that makes him self-centered. Then that makes him a bad guy that deserves to die in the end. It makes Maleficent more of a hero. 
but you can't accept her as the hero over him because he's actually a better person than Maleficent is. Well, another bad message you're sending out there, it's just basically saying, like, like, Stefan's fallen out of love with Maleficent. It happens. Like, you, you're in love one minute yeah. and you fall you, you go get married, you have another kid. Great. So, like, basically it's showing everyone that you should be the bitter ex who got dumped and spend your entire life wanting to torture your ex and end up killing them. Even though they've moved on, they've found happiness, and you haven't. So, like, it's... And- Here's here's another thing. The whole true love's kiss thing. Um, oh, I'll get to that in a second. I want to go back. Maleficent can't cross this iron field of uh, thorns that they put up. And it, when she's carefully moving through it, it's burning her. Okay, I understand she doesn't have wings. Now, the guy she's with, the, the sparrow guy or whatever, maybe he can fly, but his wings are too small to carry them or he's too small to carry them except for that she turns him into a freaking dragon (laughs) in like 10 minutes turn him into a dragon 10 minutes ago and then fly over these thorns and while she's walking through these thorns that are burning her because it's the only way for her to get over let's not forget she's levitating the prince brenton thwaites here over all of this she can levitate him but nobody else (laughs) and then when she does levitate him in there like i actually do like when he shows up and the fairy's like, this is the only way to save her. It's true love's kiss. And he's like, but I just met her. Yeah. It's like, she probably doesn't even know my name. <laughs> like, he gets it. He's he's actually the only guy in the movie that kind of gets, this doesn't make sense. And then when she when he goes to kiss, I just wanted him to just be like, the fairy's like, no, kiss her, kiss her now. He's like, but I don't have consent. Yeah. And like, well, forget it. Kingdom depends on this. No. Well, that's I see how this ends. It's a bit rapey. Like, I mean, like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's implying that it's okay to kiss a sleeping girl. It's not. She hasn't said yes. That's wrong. And they're, they're putting him up to it. He's hesitating. He's like, come on. I know it's not right. And they're like, you know you want to. Come on. See, see, I'm, I'm, I want you to feel that girl up. Just got just to point this out there right now. Controversial what I'm about to say, but Kevin Spacey was simply preparing for Maleficent 2. That's all he was doing. Like, that's it. He was being spurred on by the directors. They're like, come on, Kevin, kiss him, kiss him. It's like, well, I can't. He hasn't given me consent. Don't care. Do it. But he's underage. I don't care, Kevin. Do it. See? No. There you go. Oh, we're not going. <laughs> this, is a Dis- this is Disney, by the way, people. <laughs> Kevin Spacey being um, in the Disney film? I don't think he has. Maybe one day. Um, it's still time also this is what i was talking about earlier uh maleficent the the spinning wheel (laughs) because that's the only way you're going to guarantee that you kill this child and then when it's like we'll just break the curse maleficent i can't i made it a curse that even i couldn't break that's why i said only true love's kiss because true love doesn't exist And then we hear the king say the exact same thing now if you were trying to come up with some stipulation that could, she's trying to. She basically says this is the only thing in the entire universe I know does not exist. Could she not have said, I don't know, a kiss from an elephant hermaphrodite <laughs> with an amputated leg or something like that? Like, like as if true love's kiss is the single most absurd thing in the universe over like a hermaphrodite no, elephant? No, 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 no. What she should have said, she should have said only the kiss from a Stanley Cup winning Toronto Maple Leafs player will wake you up. <laughs> so they don't exist. Satan doesn't exist. It's that simple. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> there's a dragon. She gets captured. Um, yeah, get her powers. Like, she can, like, blow shit up. And, okay, iron hurts her. Like, ooh. 
But I can, I seen Superman fight back with Kryptonite. I mean, the guy got stabbed in the heart and he died and he came back to life. Like, come on, this is Superman. Freaking Maleficent. Flew a Kryptonite island into space, people. He did. Like, Jesus. Um, but anyway, there's a fight and then it all leads to Maleficent killing Stefan. Like, he falls off and falls down and, like, I have to agree with everything you were saying about him because it's like... When he dies, and I watch this, I'm like, why does he die? Like, you've got to really hmm. look into what he was doing. And, okay, he's trying to kill Maleficent, but, like, perspective. Again, like, he, she has put a curse on his daughter for 16 years and has come yeah. along here and woken up. And why is it Maleficent, uh, not Maleficent, uh, Beastly, whatever her name is, more upset that her dad's died? Like, for 16 years, she's been without parents. Like, surely she's got to be a bit upset. Why does she not give a shit about her father? Because the one day she meets him, he locks her up. Like, so? She's been out of town. She could, like, it's, it's you know, it's quarantine. You know, she could have tuberculosis or something. It's just, it's just odd. And then he dies and then we're all meant to cheer. It's like, yay, the evil King Stefan's dead. But he wasn't that bad. And then next minute... He did nothing wrong in this whole movie. Like, I, I know we joke a lot on this show that there's a lot of movies where we're like, you know, the villain actually wasn't too bad. But in those movies, like Titanic, best example, Cal, not the villain they made him out to be. Having said that, they at least attempted. Even if they failed, they attempted to make him a villain. Mm. All they have in this movie is a narrator saying Stefan was a terrible person. And then everything in the movie goes completely contrary to that statement. Exactly. Uh, I should have mentioned Maleficent got a wings back at some point, which is great. So is that, is that all? If that all it takes is for her to like get her wings and put on, and that's it. Like, why then did she not just take them back when she was at the castle? Like, this should have been her goal. Like, mm-hmm. going back before saying Stefan's goal should have been kill Maleficent, why wasn't her one goal to get wings? Or if that was that simple, couldn't she have just killed another fairy in Maleficent land, stolen their wings, and put it on her back? Like, make her evil. Yeah. Like, it just, why is that it? That's it. Right at the end. And then, mm-hmm. boom. And we get a Lion King moment of him falling to his death. Um, and then the end, movie ends, and both worlds are combined, and because Aurora becomes queen and the two kingdoms are happy. Um, because why? Because Stefan but was that they? bad. Yeah, well, exactly. Are they? They've still got their differences. Like, you could tomorrow. We... Like, somebody, be, Donald Trump loses the presidency. I don't know. Oprah is president tomorrow. And her first act is like, okay, North America is just one country. We're combining Canada, the USA, and Mexico. Everyone will be happy. No, they won't. No one's going to be happy about mm-hmm. that. Like, there'll be some. But I'm sure there's the majority of Mexicans are like, no, I want my own country. And Canadians are just not going to care. They're like, hey, we're going to win the Stanley Cup. Yay. But, like, outside of that, like, no one's going to be happy. So why is this automatically? You merge two countries. That doesn't usually make happiness. They want their independence. And I'm going to make the argument that this movie never showed us that she was unifying kingdoms. Yeah. It's impl- I wouldn't even say it's implied. The assumption is her father died, so she becomes the ruler of the human kingdom. But they immediately cut to her becoming the queen of Maleficent land. They show nothing with her in the human kingdom. They, sh- they, they don't have any suggestion that she is. You could read this ending as she abandoned her own people to rule Maleficent land. So now we could possibly have a kingdom in complete disarray <laughs> because this little girl was led astray by a terrorist who lied to her 
for 16 years. This is this is just America's invasion of Iraq. They think to themselves, like, oh, we're unifying the people. We're doing what they want. Like, yay, freedom. And all the Iraqis are going like, no, hang on a minute. Like, no, we're fine. Like, don't do this. And what are we now, 16 years later, and they're still in the shit. Like, come on. <laughs> Maleficent and, and Aurora, uh, George W. Bush and Dick Cheney. That's who they are. <laughs> Uh, without the gay love story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Underlying uh, themes also, of vice. Um, a couple other things here. So Maleficent undermines her entire attempt to save Aurora because she's like, well, there, there's nothing to save her. True love doesn't exist. How about at any point since you had your change of heart, you say to her, listen, no matter what happens, don't touch a spinning wheel. <laughs> That's all you have to say. Because <laughs> it's not explained why she's like, no part of that curse is it like you will be magnetized towards a spinning wheel. Like, yeah, just just don't touch one. It's that simple. Yeah, just, just say to her, I know I put a curse on you. Nothing can break that. Don't touch the spinning wheel. <laughs> or Maleficent can levitate her for an entire year. Or does even it doesn't even be a year. She just said on your 16th birthday, levitate the girl in the air. For 24 hours, because you can apparently do that to everybody but yourself, and then she's fine. I mean, I, these these aren't little plot holes. These are big things. And now let me get to my theory on how you make this ending work better, because it is such a mess. Like, the dragon's kind of cool, but again, it's presented in a small room. Have you seen the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? I think I've seen the first and the fourth. That's my weird okay, ones well, I've seen. Good, because I'm about to bring up the fourth. So <laughs> That's the Penelope the Cruz pi- one, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah I've seen that one so, in the first one. Yep. The fourth one, they did two very weird things. Now, that was by far the most expensive Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and yet you could not tell by looking at the movie because all of the big special effects scenes were filmed in pitch black at night, so you can't really see what's going on, and I swear that's half of Maleficent. There's a couple of scenes in Fairyland that look bright and colorful, and it's not like this movie's trying to say, let's make a dark movie. They're just poorly filmed scenes, and the fight scene at the end in the dark, even the dragon scene, there's not a lot of life to it. And the other thing that the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean movie, you know, people can criticize the, the sequels all you want. I'm not really a fan of any other than the original, but the first movie, you have this big battle inside of a cave. The second movie... You have this massive climax on the ocean with – or you have a land battle and then you have this one on the ocean with a giant squid creature. The third one, you have a giant sea battle with all these ships swirling around a whirlpool. You're getting bigger and better each time. The fourth movie, the most expensive one, it's a battle in a cave again. Like they go back to something that's even more bland than the original. And the animated movie from what, 1950? had this massive sequence with the dragon. There was outdoor stuff, everything. They just have the dragon fighting in some cold, dark cell. <laughs> like, we don't even get to see the dragon move, really. It's, it seems like such a waste for a movie that costs this much money, aside from bad effects, to also not even stage your action scenes well. And then the fight between Maleficent and the king? So many problems here. I've already said over and over again, you either make the king the bad guy, or you make this a redemption story. Now, there's a million ways you can make them him the bad guy. You could have it where the, the Aurora finally comes and he's like, you're back a day early. And he's like, lock her in the room. And then he says a line like, 
I want to kill Maleficent. She's going to come for her. I'm going to use my own daughter as bait. Now he said one thing that makes him the villain. One line makes it acceptable to kill this character at the end. If you go the other route, you have the fight scene between Maleficent and Stefan. You have that that moment where you know she's thrown him through a glass window and she pins him up against the wall and she goes, enough. You have one or both of them just sort of break down and be like, you know, I like I know that I hurt you, Maleficent. I'm sorry. And she's like, I did terrible things. I'm sorry too. Can we have peace? Yes, we'll have peace. <laughs> There's none of that. They just fight. They don't have one conversation to clear the air. From his eyes, she's still the terrorist who's been threatening his daughter for 16 years. So he's not really outside of his rights to be trying to kill Maleficent at this point. All she has to say is, listen, I did something bad. I was trying to get back at you because you hurt me. I'm sorry. I I, I made it right. Let's just let's be done with this. That's a happy ending. That's a Disney ending. This is a, such a depressing end mm. for a kid's movie or, or even a movie nostalgic. They try to put the spin on it like it's a happy ending. That's my biggest problem with this movie is the way this presented with the king falling to his death. It's not like there's even a moment where one character sheds a tear or even Maleficent's like, I wish it didn't have to come to this. Or the daughter cries or anything. He just dies and it's like, now we can all be happy. But he did nothing wrong. And it's like there are audience members out there who saw this and were like, yeah, kill him. I want a man dead. <laughs> Girl power, you know. It's just it's it's just the wrong way of doing the movie. And I don't think this movie was taking a stance of being anti-man. But to this man, this movie presented a feminist take at the expense of a character that did not deserve to die. There was just so many better ways that you could have ended this movie. And the fact that it ends on this happy ending where the narrator saying, so the story you thought you knew happened a little bit differently. No, I don't want to believe this is how it happened. <laughs> if I show this to my child, he's going to have nightmares. Like, you mean, Daddy, that if a terrible woman tries to kill me, that... I'm supposed to fall in love with her? I'm screwed. And that you're the bad guy? I'm screwed. It's just, like, it's, people from my past are going to yeah. come back and do this to me. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Ben's done terrible things. You've clipped many wings in your days. All these horses. It's just, oh. <laughs> it's, all you have is just one, even if you want to kill him. Maleficent says, here, let's go the route of he is the bad guy. Nothing else changed in this movie. You know how I said one line earlier could have changed this? One line here changes it. Maleficent pins him up against the wall, says enough, or it's over, or whatever she says. And then she says, let's have peace. One line. Mm -hmm. She turns her back, and he lunges at her again. He's still the bad guy. It took no more effort than four or five words of dialogue to make their ending work, and they failed even at that. Worst Disney movie ever made. Um, so I'm guessing you're going to be buying this one very soon, I reckon. Um, just uh, reading, just reading here. This could have been even worse. Uh, Tim Burton was attached to do this movie, so <laughs> oh, we see how well Dumbo's going right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, okay. Um, reception for this film. Um, well, it was. Where am I reading here? Can't even read properly. Fifty-four percent approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, oh. based on two hundred sixty-one reviews. <laughs> too high. Uh, the consensus says Angelina Jolie's magnetic performance outshines Mal- Maleficent's 
dizzying, dazzling special effects. Unfortunately, the movie around them fails to justify all that impressive effort. Um, the New York Times stated, with two shorn wigs and an astonishing maternal kiss, Maleficent demolishes stereotypes that were only tweaked in Frozen. Now, like, <laughs> again, I haven't seen Frozen. Uh, <laughs> but, like, this... <laughs> This is something that always does bother me. And we've talked a little bit. We talked a lot about this in Wonder Woman and things like that, where it's like, it's straight away, like, you've got to come out like, oh, smash the stereotypes, it's this, that, and everything else. Like, I get why you've got to say things like this about certain movies because of the norm and it goes against it. But this that doesn't make what you want this to become the norm by always singling it out and saying something. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just, this was, what, 2014, and we're five years removed from this, and it's still, things like this are still being said. At what point yeah. do we stop singling these things out and just accept it as the norm? It's it's like mm-hmm. that. It shouldn't be a case of having to say things like this. But maybe 2014, it was it was needed. I don't know. Um, there's a a line here from uh, Kate Taylor of the Globe and Mail saying, "Long live the feminist revisionist backstory." Uh, I mean, look, as a feminist myself, uh, I'm going to say that's not exactly the most feminist backstory I've ever seen. Um, there's a lot of things being said here. Uh, Mary Costa, who voiced Aurora in the 1959 uh, animated version, called the film a very good movie. She added oh. that the concept and perspective are totally different than the original films, which makes it new and interesting. As for Jolie's performance, she said no one could have played the part of Maleficent better, concluding that she was absolutely magnificent. Now, look, she's lifeless in this movie. Like, I know you're a semi-Angeline Jolie fan. I swear she she has no emotion in any way in this movie, good or bad. It's like it, it's like It's like she didn't want to be in this movie in a weird way. From everything I'm reading, it's one of these ones where, like, okay, bringing up your beloved Bohemian Rhapsody again. But, I mean, a lot of the reviews no. from that come come out as, you know, there were a lot of negative reviews for it, but saying except for Rami Malek. And it's kind of, to me, that is a movie whether you love it or hate it, you know, you are kind of focused on that one person and you can say what you want about their performance. And, like, yeah, I can see what they're trying to say with Angelina Jolie, that she kind of is the star of this, literally and figuratively. But it's it's not one of these performances that I leave going, fuck, she was so good. Like, she's decent. She's fine. I always prefer Angelina Jolie with a British accent. Sometimes I always forget that she's not British. I think she does a British accent very well. But I would say that, and this is probably going to make you groan at me or maybe agree, I don't know. I would say she's more scene-stealing in the Tomb Raider movies. And I guess that's... I'll agree. Well, it's more focused on the character, I guess, because they're called Lara Croft Tomb Raider, but... I leave both those movies going, okay, she, she's good in that role and much better and she's the focus. I don't know about, like, the praise that she seems to get in all these reviews is that good. Mm. I, I also think this is one of these movies that I remember when it first came out and there were a lot of these positive reactions. This movie's reputation is not held up well. And I think that has a lot to do with the other Disney live action movies that came after this. Like, I'll, we'll talk in a minute, but I haven't seen Beauty and the Beast all the way through. Um, it definitely was better received than this. Uh, the Jungle Book better received than this. I mean, Dumbo probably better received than this. Uh, Aladdin, I mean, I'm sure they're all going to be. This just, it feels like this is the movie's forgotten, which is why it's all the more confusing that it is getting a sequel. And it, it, to me, it feels like the same thing happened with Tomb Raider, which is funny, Angelina Jolie and both. The first Tomb Raider came out, made a ton of money. 
And people at the time were like, well, that was pretty good. But then, like, after a few months, people were like, well, that wasn't really that good of a movie. And a couple years later, it wasn't like – there wasn't a single person saying, I need to see Tomb Raider 2. And I've never heard a person say, I need to see Maleficent 2. Well, I think I mentioned before, but it's kind of a case of I didn't even realize it was a sequel to this movie until I, like, yeah. looked it up on Wikipedia. And it's kind of because – I mean, look, we're, I guess we've dated it a few times. We're, we're recording this – around about when Dumbo's released. We haven't, Aladdin's not out yet, but obviously we're releasing this in the lead up to The Lion King. So kind of, you know, there's a bit of a weirdness going on there where we can't really comment too much on the other ones. But it's, I mean, through the fact that you've got those three main ones, which are getting a fair bit of attention, there's there's been nothing, I think, mentioned at all about Maleficent 2. And it's kind of, it's odd when they talk about this Disney live action cinematic universe or whatever you want to call it. I mean, kind of a lot of it seems to come down that Cinderella is the one that started it, um, which is odd considering oh, yeah. that this Did really, that come first? I think this came first. I think Maleficent came first oh, and yeah. Cinderella might have been sort of with very soon mm-hmm. after this. But, um, yeah, I mean, does, does, does Disney have a standpoint on this or are they just too busy creating every franchise in movie history that they just don't care? I don't know because this is what's really weird that this is the one that's getting the sequel because I, I always forget that Cinderella, you know, is part of this. Uh, but Cinderella, I I was kind of bored by it. But when I saw it with Jamie, I'm like, well, it's not a terrible movie. Like this, I, this isn't just me not being the audience of these, you know, uh, female-oriented Disney movies because I'm like, well, Cinderella is not my thing, but it was okay. Beauty and the Beast – the 20 minutes that I was able to sit through of it, I'm like, it's not terrible. It's not my thing. <laughs> this is a bad movie. And you look at the box office numbers. Like, this was huge, but I'm pretty sure that both Cinderella and Beauty and the Beast blew this away as far as overall box office. Why aren't they making sequels to those? I'll, I'll come to that in just a second. I do want to mention that this is actually an Academy Award-nominated movie too, Colin. Um, <laughs> nominated for Best Costume Design at the 87th Academy Awards, but lost to the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, also nominated in that year were Inherent Vice, Into the Woods, and Mr. Turner. So, uh, sadly, didn't quite win the Oscar it didn't deserve. Uh, it did, however, win the esteemed People's Choice Awards, because we know people are dumb. Uh, it won favorite movie and favorite family movie, uh, and it also did win the Heartland Film Festival Movie Award for truly moving motion picture. What truly what? moving picture award? Um, and then at the Hollywood Film Awards, it won the award for Hollywood Production Design. So that, I mean, that's not a category. Truly moving picture award. That's that's not a category. That's dumb. Uh, and it also did win the Kids' Choice Awards for Favourite Villain, but we know kids are stupid as well. So, oh, of course. Um, that was that. But yeah, box office-wise, so it made a total of $241,410,378 domestically. Uh, foreign, it made $517 million, So nearly $750 million worldwide. So close to a billion there, sort of, three-quarters of the way, I guess. Um if you look at the D- Disney live-action ones here, at least according to IMDb, and again, to date this, this is also featuring Dumbo, which has just been released at the time of recording this, so we don't have anything for um, uh, Aladdin, of course, which would have been released by the time we released this. But this comes in at fourth. So, But uh, this is a bit of a weird list, because Beauty and the Beast number one, Jungle Book two, 
But then you've also got Alice in Wonderland. You've also then got Oz the Great and Powerful. You've got Cinderella from 2015. Mm. You've got 101 Dalmatians from 1996. Uh, and then you've also got Pete's Dragon from 2016. <laughs> so... Uh, if we're making... I'm, I'm not not that we're going to watch all these movies, but if we're going to really boil it down, because you kind of mentioned Alice in Wonderland, I, I, I think that Disney live action remakes started with Maleficent, because how can you include Alice in Wonderland when it's not really a remake? It's it's kind of a sequel. It's kind of a spinoff. And yeah, like Pete's Dragon. I mean, <laughs> do you really feel like they're like, you know, Maleficent was a big hit. You know what's next? Pete's Dragon. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure this was Maleficent, Cinderella, Beauty and the Beast, Jungle Book. Dumbo. Was there another one before Dumbo? Dumbo, Dumbo, Aladdin, so on, so on, yeah. Was, I mean, 101 Dalmatians, wasn't there a sequel to that, to a live-action sequel, or am I thinking of something Yeah, else? they did 102 Dalmatians. Oh, jeez, must have taken them a while to come up with that. So why isn't that on this list? Did Disney not... Some, I don't know. Anyway, um, it's opening weekend. It ragged in uh, sixty nine million. It was number one uh, ahead of X Men: Days of Future Past, which had was in its second week, still making thirty two million dollars. Uh, a million ways to die in the West opened that weekend uh, with sixteen million. But other ones uh, did anything else open that weekend? Oh, Night Moves was the fifty fifth biggest movie that weekend, made twenty one thousand dollars. Or if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, uh, number ninety one. Before you know it. Made uh, $1,500. So, good for them. Uh, also in the top 10 that week, though, Godzilla, the 2014 one, uh, was fourth. Blended in fifth. Neighbours at sixth. The Amazing Spider-Man 2, seventh. Million Dollar Arm. That's that cricket one you keep telling me to watch, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Chef and the Other Woman round out the top 10. So, uh, yeah, interesting. Um, and uh, for the year, where did that come in in the year? I, I should have had that up in front of me. Uh, I probably wasn't yearly. Where are we? 2014. Am I just completely blind here in front of me? Uh, apparently, I don't know where that is. Anyway, uh, let's say top five because I'm <laughs> sure it was there somewhere. Uh, do we do keywords before we do our ratings? We do, don't we? Um, yeah. Let's see here. Uh, needle. Oh, spindle. Spindle month. Uh, that could oh. work. Um, F rated. What's F? Is that because it's so bad? <laughs> uh, F rated month would involve Captain Marvel, Fantastic Beats, The Crime of Grindelwald, Captive State, and Bumblebee. I don't know what F rated so, is. F rated. Uh, I believe it's a movie that is like female fronted movie. Right. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's supposed to be. Starring, directed by, written by, like, something like that. Okay. Um, oh, I'm really looking forward to doing Tree Growing on a Cliff Month. Oh, please! Can we? I've been waiting for it. Oh, it's going to be a short month. Maleficent's the only one in that list. <laughs> <laughs> We've just completed it. We did, yes, finally. It's happened. Uh, caught, in a nun- month ever. caught in a Net Month. That could be good. Um, featuring Thor Ragnarok. The Dark Knight, Baywatch, and Hook. So, you know. Can I uh, throw out their Kiss Reveals Absence of Love Month? Oh, that would be a good Featuring one. Featuring Back to the Future, Maleficent, and Give Me a Sailor. <laughs> oh, Jamie would like that one. <laughs> um, what else do we have? Uninvited Guest Month, uh, 
Title Spoken by Character Month. Fall from Height Month. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I reckon that one's a pretty good one. Featuring Happy oh. Death Day to You, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle, Captain America the Winter Soldier, and Arctic. I know I'm excited for Monarch Butterfly Month. <laughs> Kung Fu Hustle, Maleficent, The Fall, and Hide and Seek. Well, here's one for me, Teenage Girl Month. Uh, I'll be I'll be involved in that one. <laughs> Featuring Us, Triple Frontier, Shazam, and Stranger Things. <laughs> I've got another one for Ben, Night on Horseback Month. Ah, oh, yes. With Maleficent, Justice League Dark, True Night, and Transformers episode, A Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court. And we will follow that up with 16-year-old month to keep on the Ben train, <laughs> uh, featuring Hereditary, Pretty Little Liars, What We Do in the Shadows, uh, that's probably not appropriate in the 16-year-old month, and The Hunger Games. Uh, okay, there you go. Uh, just to go backtrack, so uh, Maleficent in 2014 was the eighth highest grossing film, just below Transformers Age of Extinction and above X-Men Days of Future Past. The number one film that year was American Sniper. There you go. That's an interesting one. Um, And so to put that into perspective, if that was in 2018, uh, the eighth highest film was Mission Impossible Fallout. So, (laughs) wow. Um, Big move. Binning it, I'm guessing. Yeah, Ben. (laughs) Right down the bottom. (laughs) Scrape. Scraping the barrel. Move over, Dirty Dancing. Um, put it in there. Um, all right. Well, I guess then that leads us into next week, which is a movie I've never seen. I, I think I saw the animated one once as a kid. It just These just are the Disney ones that I don't really have any interest in, but I have to because you made us do this month. Um, <laughs> Stop blaming me. Beauty and the Beast, um, which is a movie about me and Mallory, let's be honest. Um, there's talking... Like, house items aren't there. Like, candlesticks, talking shit. Uh, I like Emma Watson. I'm a straight male. I find her attractive. When she's old enough, don't turn around and say, like, Oh, you, you found her attractive in Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. No. Uh, I waited. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, this movie made a lot of money, and it's probably the biggest one yet. Uh, you've seen 20 minutes of it. Was there a beauty and a <laughs> beast in it? <laughs> there is. And I actually, I, I did really love the the original one when I was a kid. Um, uh, when this came out, I remember this being like what the Avengers was for men, for women, like... <laughs> Like every single woman was like, have you seen Beauty and the Beast yet? Have you seen Beauty and the Beast? Which is kind of weird because I don't feel like the animated was just... Uh, I felt like that was like, you know, just entertaining for boys and girls. But there's something about this movie where no guy was excited when it came out. Uh, and again, the 20 minutes that I saw, my complaint wasn't anything about the movie. The reason I stopped watching was because 20 minutes in, I'm like, this is exactly the same as the animated movie. And maybe they do have some big twist like Maleficent. I, I don't have a complaint with Maleficent changing the story. It was just how poorly they did it. Uh, you know, Cinderella kind of elaborated on the original story. I think that's okay. Jungle Book was just a different take on it. This was like the animated movie with real actors. And with the same songs and everything, I, I just... 20 minutes in, I just told Jamie, I'm like, you know what? Uh, if I want to watch this, I'll watch the animated movie. So <laughs> I'm interested to watch it because I know that she liked it. Having said that, what, what year did this come out in? Uh, 2017, I think it was. 
All right, so Beauty and the Beast might be in Jamie's top five favorite movies of all time, the animated. She liked this movie when she saw it. She's never asked to watch it again. Wow. So I'm not sure if this is going to be a great movie. Um, I'm not sure if there are going to be differences. I'm curious to see. But I, I, I am interested to see the teacups because how do you pull that off in a live-action movie? Yeah, I don't even know. Probably Meryl Streep plays one because she can play anything. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I'm just looking here on, um, just quickly on Wikipedia. So going on that category of live action ones, so down the very bottom of the Wikipedia page from Leveson, it's got the little drop-down box to kind of categorize them for the Disney live action ones. So they've got theatrical remakes as 101 Dalmatians, Cinderella, The Jungle Book, Beauty and the Beast, and Dumbo. Underneath that, they've got sequels to remakes, 102 Dalmatians. Then you have live-action spin-offs, Maleficent. And then follow-up to animated works, you have Alice in Wonderland and Christopher Robin, sequels, Alice Through the Looking Glass. And then you've got all the upcoming stuff. So they've categorized it into theatrical remakes, sequels, live-action spin-offs, and follow-up to animated works. No Peach Dragon in there. Disappointed. No. Oh. Poor Peach Dragon. Who is Peach? Justice for Peach Dragon. Why does he have a dragon? Um... Anyway, uh, so yeah, next week, Beauty and the Beast, get excited, because I am, and <laughs> like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe, uh, and do all the the fun things. It'll actually be the last time Colin and I will do one of these ones, because the last two of this month will be Mallory and I, so I'm sure that will be fun. Um, I don't really have much to add. I think we both want to leave right now. Uh, my name is Ben, and I need a horse. Uh, My name is Colin and I need a prince. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.